everybody, and welcome to the September 7th, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josie, and happy Labor Day, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your day off. I decided not to take a day off today because, hey, this is actually fun for me. Uh, anyway, you might remember the name Laura Lunar, if you've been listening to the podcast. If not, she's the Republican nomination uh, for con- for the House Representative in Florida's 21st Congressional District. I've yeah, 21st Congressional District. Uh, she got banned from Twitter, and then she handcuffed herself outside Twitter HQ. There was all sorts of fun that happened with her. Interrupted Shakespeare in the Park once when they were doing a Julius Caesar play that portrayed Julius Caesar as Donald Trump, which, by the way, Julius Caesar shows the death of Caesar to be a very bad thing, but she doesn't know that because she didn't actually read the play. Uh, <laughs> however, she has put out her first attack ad against her opponent, Louis, or Lois Farkle. Now, is there a more Jewish last name than Farkle? Well, there are several, but that's the most poignant Jewish last name. You normally think of, like, Goldstein as the big Jewish last name. Uh, which, by the way, reminds me of a certain Emmanuel Goldstein you may have heard of. Uh, <laughs> however, that name doesn't have any of that, and yet it's still just as Jewish. Now, I normally don't bring that up. I, I'm not one of those guys who thinks Jews control the world or anything. However, Laura Lewer did bring it up. In fact, her first attack ad is all about Lewis, or Lois Farkle being a get, or supporting Black Lives Matter and as a result, being against Israel. Just take a listen. Lois Frankel loves Black Lives Matter. That is Meshuga. Black Lives Matter is a part of an Islamic and socialist coalition that says Israel is guilty of genocide against the Palestinian people. Israel, guilty of genocide. Okay, Lois. This coalition with Black Lives Matter, they want the United States to stop all military aid to Israel. But that doesn't stop Gornished Lois from kneeling to them. Maybe she thinks if she makes nice, they'll be nice to Jews in the end. Sound familiar? Lois Frankel talks Michigas. She's incapable of protecting the Jewish community or Israel. Laura Loomer will stand against prejudice and stand up for Israel. On November 3rd, vote to defend Israel. Vote for a real mensch. Vote Laura Loomer for United States Congress. Now, before we get into just how disgusting and counterproductive that ad is, I figured we should also talk about just how factually accurate it is. So here is what Lois Farkle had to say when President Trump moved the embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Quote, the president's announcement today is consistent with current U.S. law and reaffirms what we already know. Jerusalem is the eternal capital of the Jewish people in the state of Israel. Okay, don't know where the hardcore anti-Semitism is. If it's because she just supports BLM, well, that's guilt by association. The fact is, you want to know why the vast majority of people are part of Black Lives Matter? And don't get me wrong. There are far-left radicals within the BLM leadership who are Marxists or who unironically believe that Israel is the cause of all of the world's problems and other such nonsense. But the vast majority of people are in that movement because they believe Black Lives Matter, because they are against police brutality. Not because of some plot against Israel. That's just ridiculous. But, okay. Also, let's talk about how counterproductive that ad is real quick. Because I thought Laura Loomer was running an America First campaign in the style of Donald Trump. 
Now, we could get into how the original America Firsters, the people from the 1930s and 40s, were highly anti-Semitic. Uh, Charles Lindbergh, one of the big guys, received the swastika and riddle medal from Hermann Goring. Okay, and Charles Coughlin, along with Henry Ford, were the people who first brought on the protocols of the learned elders of Zion to the United States. So, even by being Jewish, you're kind of going against the tradition of the America First movement in that regard, which is one of the many reasons why I believe the America Firsters today are full of shit, but that's a different topic. But for that matter, if it really is about America first, why does Lois Sparkle's position on Israel matter in the slightest? I'm being serious. Why does that matter in the slightest? Shouldn't it be American policy first? American domestic policy, specifically. No, instead it's, well, she's tied with this group who believes that Israel did a bad thing. Okay, so what? How is that an America first style attack? Is this really all they have is, why, there are U.S. politicians that aren't pro-Israel enough. Because when I think of the biggest issue in U.S. politics today, I think too few people are willing to stand up for Israel. Stop laughing, okay? Stop. I'm being serious. I am being serious. Also, and you guys didn't see this, however, when uh, the ad said, because that worked out so well before, or something along those lines. It then cut to images of Nazi Germany. By the way, I thought it was something the left did, was they accused everyone of being Nazis. Laura Loomer, you really want to pull the everyone I don't like is a Nazi card? Because I have, I have some quotes from you. I can pull up any time if you want. And we'll go between you and Lois Sparkle and we'll see who most resembles the Third Reich. Seriously, I'm being dead serious. If you want us to do that, Laura, I will. Send, send me. My email is peacefulglobalistreview at gmail.com. Send me every single quote you think makes Lois Sparkle a Nazi, if you are listening to this, and then I'll look through what you've said. And we'll be, if we'll be fair, we'll determine it completely fair and balanced, okay? That's what I always say. Uh, and, of course, there's... That's just absolutely disgusting on a serious note. And for that matter, that's something you can only do with Jews. You ever notice that? You know, I remember a while ago, I was reading all those get the black people off the Democratic plantation posts. And a lot of them were by people who had previously accused Jews who do not vote Republican of being secret non-Jews who control the world and have big... No I mean, sorry, sorry. Sorry, can't imply that. Can't imply... Uh, directly that they're engaging in anti-Semitism in any way because they're immune from it. Uh, black people can be racist, but Jews can't be anti-Semitic, remember. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, ser I'm being dead serious with this. I remember in 2011, Ben Shapiro wrote an article called Jews in Name Only, and now he's going around talking about how black people need to remove themselves from the Democratic plantation. Imagine if Someone like Al Sharpton said that Kanye West was a black person in name only. Some have said that. Some have even said that, and they get blasted for hell. They get blasted to hell and back for it. But you can say that about Jews, and it's just fine. You know, Candace Owens does this big thing about how people need to think outside their race. Yet when people like Noam Chomsky think outside their race and criticize Israel, 
or Bernie Sanders thinks outside his race, or Glenn Greenwald, or what was the who was the guy who wrote the book Holocaust Industry? I forget his name. He had one of the most stereotypically Jewish last names of all time, though. And he was doing a hell of a lot of thinking outside his race, and he was blasted for it by these very same people, because Jews are supposed to be a monolith. That's what separates them from every other racial group in America, is they're supposed to be a monolith, specifically ones that vote for the Republican Party. And if you criticize that idea, you are anti-Semitic. Remember that. Anyway, here's a story from the Huffington Post. Trump reportedly spends $58 million in campaign funds on legal fees and compliance. I like how it started thundering where I live, just as I said that. Uh, <laughs> the weather has a sense of humor. President Donald Trump has commandeered an astonishing $58.4 million in campaign donations for legal and compliance fees, the New York Times reported Sunday. The president has treated campaign coffers like his own, quote, piggy bank, sending millions to law firms for whatever battle he wants to fight, including some protecting his own interests, according to the Times. The legal fees are in addition to contributions that Trump is funneling into his own pocket by charging his campaign the Republican National Committee for lodging event space and catering. Trump's Mar-a-Lago Golf Resort, wasn't that the same resort Jeffrey Epstein was a member of? Covered up some $400,000, that's the entire, that's the president's entire salary, by the way, in just two days for a campaign event earlier this year. As of last year, his businesses had collected nearly $17 million since he launched his first presidential campaign. Uh, okay. Okay, wow. Just, just wow. Just wow. Uh, <laughs> you know... What's normally supposed to happen to prevent things like this from going on is when somebody becomes president, they are supposed to put their businesses in what is referred to as a blind trust, okay? A lot of the time, that is basically how they make sure they don't know where their money is coming from. They don't see their money in any way. Trump gave his businesses to his kids, and that was a big scandal in 2016, if you remember. Uh, and for the record, presidents have done that before. Jimmy Carter put all of his businesses in blind trust before he became president of the United States in 1977. Okay? So it's not like it's impossible. It's not like this is some beyond absurd standard we're just expecting for Donald Trump. No, we are expecting any presidential candidate to remove any conflicts of interest. And this was a big deal at the time. I remember this was a big deal. The president was not putting it in a blind trust, but instead with his kids. Uh, one of those kids, by the way, has since patented voting machines and beds that turn into coffins. Just wanted you guys to know that. Uh, <laughs> there's not really much of a way around this. The president is using the White House solely for the purposes of enriching himself. Now, I'm not delusional. I understand that for someone like Donald Trump, removing any and all conflicts of interest would be a living hell. Okay? It would be. It would be. I remember Snopes rated the claim that he stands to gain from hydroxychloroquine, the anti-malaria drug he was peddling as a COVID treatment, mostly false. Not entirely false, because Trump would get some monetary gain 
as a trust that he had almost no control over did invest a very small amount and he would have gotten a reap of about a hundred bucks from hydroxychloroquine succeeding. Okay? So I understand, and there are tons of stories like that, of Trump having very small connections with businesses. What I focus on instead is the fact that there are several times where he's been doing this purely to enrich himself. You may remember, he tried to get, which summit was it? Uh, I think it was, in one of the summits, I forget which one, it was a global summit, to take place at his hotel in Florida. Primarily because then he could charge people. Trump has golfed more than any other president exclusively at his own resorts, and he has billed himself and everyone attending every single time. Just think about that for a second. He's making a lot of money off of being president of the United States. And don't get me wrong, it already is a very lucrative job. However, the fact is he's using it to enrich his own businesses which is a clear ethics violation, or at the very least, it should be a clear ethics violation. Maybe it's not the exact letter of the law ethics violation, but if that is not an ethics violation, we have failed as a country regarding implementing anti-corruption legislation. I mean, you just read the numbers, okay? You heard me say that the president has gotten... I'm going to read it to you again. As of last year, last year, that was the end of 2019, his businesses had collected nearly $17 million since he launched his first presidential campaign. Now, he launched that presidential campaign in 2015. Okay, so it had been about four and a half years or so since he had launched his first presidential campaign at the end of last year. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to divide... 17 million by 1,400 days. More or less, it's been 1,400 days when that study was taken. That's not exactly it, but that should give us an idea on how much he's gotten per day, might I add, per day since he launched his first presidential campaign all the way back in 2015. You ready? 17 million divided by 1,400, that's the amount of days, is $12,142.86. I'm rounding up. It's 8571. I'm just rounding the 5 up to a 6. $12,000. Over $12,000, okay? Every single day since he launched his first presidential campaign. That is an insane amount, and one that needs to be monitored very, very heavily. Uh, for context on just how much that is, if you work a minimum wage job at 40 hours a week for an entire year, okay, you are getting $15,000. The president is getting essentially 80% of a minimum wage salary every single day, and has been for the past five years. Think about that for a second. That's absolutely ridiculous. If you were to give that money he has made every day to, and to a family, any family, in some of the poorest parts of this country, you know what they'd do with it? They'd buy food. 
they'd pay their bills. Uh, what, what does he do with it? Well, the answer is he sits in the Oval Office. Doesn't do much with it outside of just collect it continuously forever. That is the President of the United States, everybody. Just can't make this up. Anyway, last thing for tonight. On Friday, I covered the statistic that over 90% of Black Lives Matter protests, 93% to be exact, were completely peaceful. You didn't hear about them in the media, but they did have them. They were the overwhelming majority of protests. I have long stood by Black Lives Matter violence being a very exaggerated evil that does exist, don't get me wrong. However, the looting done by people who are not involved with the police force, of course, who are not undercover cops or the like, which can happen. It's a bit of a conspiracy theory. We haven't seen much of it, but there is uh, there are some questions about it still. But I stand by most of the looting was primarily not done out of ideological reason, but instead out of opportunism. A guy wanted a TV. He saw a giant riot was or a giant protest was taking place. He used it as a chance to get a TV. Okay, that's what I stand by happened, and I will continue standing by that happening until anybody, anybody can offer me proof otherwise, and so far, nobody has. Outside of some CNN commentator who's not involved with the Black Lives Matter movement, saying that, well, since when are protests supposed to be peaceful? That doesn't actually prove anything other than Don Lemon is an idiot. Congratulations, we already knew that. Now, I covered that story the day it came out, on Friday. And the next day, Saturday, the New York Post, it looked like, was a little angry at that story. The New York Post is, of course, a right-leaning publication. It's not an explicitly far-right publication. We're not, like, at Breitbart levels or even Fox News levels. But it is definitely biased. Publish this story. Black Lives Matter protesters riot in Manhattan. Wouldn't it be rioters rioting if a riot was happening? Causes $100,000 damage. NYPD. Eight people were arrested Friday night when a group of 150 Black Lives Matter protesters smashed windows and graffitied in storefronts on lower Manhattan chain stores and banks, police sources said. Again, any evidence they had any ideological reason to do this, or were they just opportunists who wanted a TV? You got any evidence, New York Post? At least two Starbucks, five banks, and a Doss Reed had their windows busted, causing an estimated $100,000 in damage. Police recovered two stun guns, smoke grenades, and burglary and graffiti tools. Again... Sounds like people who were just more interested in stealing things as opposed to protesting. I don't even think they knew who Jacob Blake or Daniel Prude or George Floyd or Rashad Brooks or Amit Arami or Freddie Gray or Trayvon Martin or Eric Garner or Tamia Rice or any of them actually were. Okay, I bet almost none of them knew who this guy was. I'm going to promise you that right now. But, okay, $100,000 worth of property damage. And mind you, I am against property damage. I want to make that clear. There have been some people, especially on the radical left, who have been defending looting and vandalism. I'm not on the radical left. I'm not even really on the left, truth be told. And as such, I have no interest 
none in defending vandalism. I believe in property rights. I believe in all of that, okay? And $100,000, that does sound like a lot. The average uh, median home value, for the record, in Manhattan is almost $1 million. So they destroyed one-tenth of a house. Oh, no! <laughs> a tenth of a house was destroyed. You know, this is the second time, by the way, the 10% figure has shown up in a BLM story. If it shows up one more time at the end of September, I think I get a free sandwich at Subway. Assuming Subway where I live is open. I don't even know if it is anymore. Uh, but, okay, okay. It's $100,000. That is a lot of money. To us, not to Manhattanites, who wipe their asses with $1,000 bills. But that is a lot of money to a lot of people. So maybe I shouldn't be so insensitive. And again, vandalism is wrong. Property damage is wrong. However, throwing out statistics to make entire movements look bad based on opportunist looters, and then not giving any context to those statistics, might I add, I would argue is also wrong. Is also very, very wrong. Okay? I think that's fair. And nowhere in this New York Post article does it say the average value of a house in Manhattan, sorry, the median value, is a million dollars. Nor do they say that this article claiming BLM's done all this property damage in Manhattan, they destroyed a tenth of a house. But again, that's a lot of money, okay? Why can't they be more like New York City's police force? For instance, in 2019, New York City paid out $69 million in police misconduct lawsuits. That is also not very nice of them. Okay, so they... I don't even know where to go with this. $100,000 worth of property damage on a small island filled with rich urbanites uh, or socialites versus 690 times that amount from taxpayers, from every taxpayer in New York City combined in police misconduct lawsuits. Which one is doing the real damage? Which one is taking money out of New York citizens' pockets. Seriously, which one does the media really want you to focus on? Between these two. If you said the one that is infinitely smaller, you are correct. Now, why don't we ever hear about that? Why don't we ever hear about that? That maybe the citizens of New York City could afford to repair their homes when they're looted, if 
Bill de Blasio wasn't spending so much money on police misconduct lawsuits. We don't hear that. Because that goes against the narrative that the police are perfect. That's our show. Good night.